How's it going, everyone? Welcome into the Sports Appeal Podcast. I'm your host, AJ Teal. As always, to my right, my co-host and my dad, Noel Teal. Dude, have you watched as much basketball in the last four what days? A, what a weekend oh. that it was. Entertaining was weekend. My ass uh, hurts. Yeah, well, you know, sitting on the couch is... It takes more effort than it than it seems like it does. I mean, we've tried yeah. to explain this to people, you know, over the years of doing this podcast. Sitting on the couch on Sundays for twelve hours straight, it's not as easy as it seems. No. You know, having the Red no. Zone channel on when we get to March Madness, like we did this weekend, four days straight. Games start and, at noon; they end yeah. at like midnight. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's another you know twelve twelve hours. Like this is this is hard stuff, but we we did it. We got through well, it. Hold on, and it I, was amazing. I, I, it was have, awesome. It was. I have to I have to admit something. Mm-hmm. I Thursday, Friday, and Saturday did not miss any games. Sunday did not miss any games until Gonzaga TCU. Oh, you couldn't, I couldn't stay for the last one? <laughs> Come on, I got to work on Monday. It was it was four straight days of this. My my back hurt. Like I, I had to go to bed. It, it didn't yeah. start till like ten o'clock. Yeah, it was. It was a good game though. It was a, re- yeah, it was a sure. really good yeah, game. Yeah. TC is a good team. Re- I, I mean, they, they. You know, we'll t- we'll we'll get into this episode today, and we'll 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 talk about the uh, the, the, the second round there, and then we'll talk about the Sweet Sixteen as we get to that, uh, which starts Thursday, um, which should should be you know really great as as you know some of these teams oh. man are rolling right now um, yep. going to Sweet Sixteen. This is one of the best Sweet Sixteens where. Really, anybody has a chance now. I mean, there's you know Alabama, Houston are, are the are the odds on favorite, but they're plus three hundred, plus four hundred right now. This isn't yeah. like a uh you know a plus one forty favorite. Anybody nope. could win this thing right now. The so, party this year has been incredible. It's been incredible. Yeah. It's been and really close. Of, of the final sixteen teams, thirteen of them could win it. Yep. And we will get we will get into previewing the Sweet Sixteen. We'll talk about how our brackets are going. Someone's brackets going a little better. Than the others, yeah. Um, yeah. You could already take your little bow. You, you're, you're doing very <laughs> well. I'm doing horrific. You're, uh, you should, the bracket. Uh, I think busted is an understatement. Oh my god! It, it, it's the worst performance I've had in it's, almost ten years. It's pretty bad. But we, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. The Sweet Sixteen, and then NFL news as we go into the second week of free agency. Here, the Cowboys are making moves. Making so we'll talk money. about our Cowboys making some trades. Um, we do have. Ezekiel Elliott jersey back there. If you're watching uh, the the video here, Zeke obviously released. We'll talk about that and how it affects mm. uh, the boys there. But it's it's sad for the you know the Zeke fans. Zeke was you know Zeke's the man. Zeke is, will always be the man. Yeah. Uh, you know one of the we'll greatest players in, in franchise history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, we will get into all the the latest signings and some rumors around the league. So let's get into it. Uh, let's run it. Let's start today's episode with some NFL news going around the league. Now, let's start with some signings, and then we'll get to our Cowboys, who are making some headlines now with some some moves this offseason, mm-hmm. being a little more ag- aggressive than they usually are. 
Uh, but we'll start with the signings around the league. Let's start with what happened yesterday. Um, at the time of this recording, we had a late night signing, probably the one of the best offensive free agents left on the market. We had Adam Thielen sign with the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers are they're making some moves now, you know. Adam oh, yeah. Thielen, they signed Miles Sanders before, DJ Chark, I believe, earlier um in the offseason there. So Carolina's surrounding what we think is CJ Stroud as their QB um with some weapons. Um, you know, I, at, at this point in his career, you know, 10 years in the league now, I don't believe Adam Thielen is a number one guy, but no, in a no. rebuilding team, you know, you, you take what you can get. I'm sure they'll draft a receiver as well. Um, but Adam Thielen gets a three-year deal. I I don't think the the complete, you know, details of the contract came out. He probably got, I think he got like 12 year. million a year. I yeah. Think yeah. Something like that. You know, like a, he got what will be probably the last, you know, lucrative deal of his, of his career. And he went to a team sure. where he says. And I quote, he went on the Pat McAfee show this morning um, that the Panthers are a Super Bowl contending team. And that's why he joined uh, the the roster. So, you know, that's what Adam Thielen thinks. Juan Thornhill also made the same comment about the Cleveland Browns. So, yeah, you know, so, <laughs> look, I, hey, at this point, I think I believe in uh, in Adam Thielen more than, than Juan Thornhill, that the Panthers are freaking better than the Browns. I don't, the Browns are making weird moves this offseason, but. Like I said, the Panthers are surrounding with some 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 weapons, and Adam Thielen finds a new home, um, which yeah. is good there. Probably one of the best uh, signings of the offseason in terms of a guy that is, you know, made a name for himself last year with the Eagles and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson signs with the Lions on a one-year, $8 million deal. Um, one of the best safeties in the league who kind of had, you know, there's rumors out there that he had offers, multiple-year deals, was getting, you know, 12 mil a year, maybe a little more than that. They turned it down. Looking for more money, settles for a one-year prove-it deal with the Lions, and that's what happens when you it. gamble. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. Listen, it, it, he, he, in my opinion, this is a massive steal for the Detroit Lions. I think he's definitely steal. one of the top three safeties in the league, right? He is a baller, and it's exactly what Detroit needed for sure. Yep. Why this is a one-year deal, I will not understand. Like, we're going to talk about, you know, Dalton Schultz coming up. These guys with these one-year deals betting on themselves for what they, I guess, they expect to be a higher cap next year. So maybe they could get more money next year. Like, I, I like Chauncey Gardner, one, I think it was $8 million for a year. This guy should have gotten a three for $33 million contract somewhere. Yeah. Like, and and, and look... Je a perfect example is Jesse Bates, right? Day one of free agency, you know, has a, you know, probably had other deals from other teams, but gets a, you know, the, the most money at any deal, a four-year yep. deal with, with Atlanta. And, you know, I'm sure the Bengals would have kept him, but on a cheaper deal, but he didn't think, he did not think twice. Like this was out of the gates, yep. took his long-term deal, went to the Falcons. I'm, I'm sure he would love to have stayed with the Bengals because the Bengals are obviously in a way better position to win now than the Falcons. And I sure, I'm sure he knows that, but in terms of money and for a safety, you know, in, in a, in a, in a league that, you know, one minute you could get a deal like that. And then one minute you get a deal like Chauncey Garner Johnson took with the lions. And like yeah. we just saw as we're recording this Dalton Schultz, you know, there's rumors out there um, that he turned down a three-year deal was, was going to become one of the highest paid tight ends. You know, I, I don't think that was by the Cowboys, but definitely some teams early on in free agency. I, I would have thought the Chargers and, and instead, more. Yeah, instead, takes a one-year $9 million deal with the Texans, um, and he will be yet on another prove-it deal. Remember, he played on the franchise tag last year with the Cowboys, was kind of his prove-it year. He didn't have a, a great year, but definitely had a year 
um, and, and, and has had years in the past to get him paid, had contract offers out there like the rumors suggest, took the gamble, and now has a one-year deal with the Texans – Right how now, do you have so many question marks at quarterback in the franchise? How do you just, prove it when you play for the Texans? Right? I mean, I this I rough. don't understand. It's a, it's a rough league out here. Listen, you don't think the Cowboys would have brought it back for nine million? Right? I I just I I don't know. This one just blows my mind. I don't get what these guys are doing. I again, if somebody offered Dalton Schultz three for thirty six and he didn't sign, he deserves whatever he's getting. Look, look, I, I hope for Schultz to have a good year and, and eventually get his, his long-term deal because Schultz is a very good tight end. And, you know, I, I think it's very odd that, that this would happen now. It's just kind of like, you know, last, last opportunity to get a contract there. You know, I, I guess nine mil for one year isn't the, the worst thing. At least he gets that, that nine million. I mean, Mike Isecki, I think. He got 11 million deal. for the tag last year, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. This, I, I don't, I just. It, does, it bothers me that this was the decision he made. I mean, I cannot believe he did not get a better offer than that from anywhere being the top tight end free agent in the class. Doesn't make any well, sense. Well, he, he did. That's what I'm saying. He he, he had no. offers. Okay, out there. then why didn't I don't know? I would love to know the psychology by why he I, he turned. I it down. think the the question mark is for his agent. Why his agent <laughs> didn't didn't suggest that he takes this deal early early in free agency. I think. Too many times we see free agents like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, like Schultz, wait it out and be like, oh, the, the offers are going to come in. Well, once once teams sign their free agents, they don't have money left. That's how it Correct. works. So yeah. so they're not waiting for you. Right. That's not how it works. The teams don't wait for the players. The players got to you know decide if this is the deal they want to take now or play the waiting game. Usually the waiting game doesn't pay off. It no, I so, agree. I, I, thought, I thought Gardner-Johnson was going to go to the Broncos and, and reunite with Peyton. He actually right. decides to go with his old defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, in Detroit for a year. But, you know, th this just seemed like a no-brainer to me that this guy would have gotten a big deal. Like, right. And the crazy. Chauncey Garner-Johnson situation, the, the rumor was that he had a 12 to $14 million per year deal, multi-year deal, from the Eagles out of free agency. And that's I think that's why he played it safe because he was like, oh, I just came from the Eagles. They'll wait for me. Eagles didn't wait for them. They ended up signing uh they ended up signing james bradbury keeping their number yep. one corner and then re-signing darius slay uh their money's all gone after that they didn't have a lot to begin with so they, they left him out uh you know to the dust there he goes to the lions on a prove-it deal schultz to the texans on a prove-it deal the texans also signed uh devin singletary um, oh a running back there another another gadget running back that goes to the texans and will probably never be heard about you know again Listen, I mean, the, the one thing you have to say is the Houston Texans have definitely made some good moves in the offseason. They've improved the team. Again, yeah, I mean, they're not going to play more than seven, eight yeah. games max, you know, and that might be a stretch. We'll we'll get closer definitely to that evaluation later, you know, but there has definitely been an improvement with what they have done sure. in this offseason, for sure. Right. An improvement, yes. But yeah. I mean, it's, it, they're, they're doing what they can. I guess with uh, with with the team they got, I, I guess you yeah. can't you can't knock them for it. They're they're trying. Yeah. The Texans are trying. They're trying. They're trying. They're trying. Uh, yeah. So let's get to uh, the Cowboys because the Cowboys mm. are having an excellent off season. Mm. They're having a very good off season. And sometimes until you get to April, when the NFL yeah. draft starts, you can't really say that. 
about the sure. Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas we Cowboys at this time, no, the, the Dallas Cowboys around this time um, are very quiet. Jerry Jones tends to be in some island on some yacht um, and, and usually takes a vacation around this time. But Jerry has been on the phones making some trades. We talked last week. He was able to re-sign most of the guys that they had in free agency. Donovan Wilson keeps his you know, starting safety. Leighton Vander Esch, starting middle linebacker. You know, keeps his tackles, Tyron Smith, Terrence Steele, you know, good moves, like keeping everyone mm-hmm. there. And then sure. the the veteran addition of Stefan Gilmore to get that cornerback number two. Great addition, gives up a fifth round pick. You can't really argue that. Um, nope. And then most recently this weekend goes and gets his wide receiver after all the DeAndre Hopkins rumors and the OBJ rumors. I think the the it was just too expensive and the Cowboys yeah. don't fly like that. And when you get a guy like Brandon Cooks, who comes up and it only costs you a, a fifth and a six, which I mean, who really cares about day three picks like that? Um, and and you get a guy here, mm-hmm. right? The six is two years from now. Mm-hmm. When you get a guy that is a six time, a thousand yard receiver that slip that slots in as your slot receiver, as your number three guy, it's a no brainer. That is how the, the route that the Cowboys go. It was a rumor at the trade deadline last year. They wait um, until I think the price go- went down extremely um, in this off season. Now, uh, I think the Texans even, you know, offered to keep uh, some of his salary, I think a third of his salary. So you're getting only, you know, two thirds of his salary on your books. It's a great deal for the Cowboys. They filled well, their two biggest needs going into the offseason, which was a cornerback two and a yeah. wide receiver three. And they didn't wait till the draft. They did it yeah. in free agency. They got veterans. Great well, moves. Let, let's talk about why the Brandon Cooks deal is even better than you're even alluding to. Right. Not only did Texans take care of a third of the salary, it's only costing us twelve million dollars this year. Right. Which is basically the going rate for an Adam Thielen at the end of his career or a Jacoby Myers. I would rather have Brandon Cooks. Right. You Mm -hmm. still have a burner. You still have a guy who could take the top off the defense. You're going to open up things for CeeDee Lamb underneath. He can play all three wide receiver X, Y and Z positions. Right. And on top of that. If God forbid it doesn't work out this year, we can cut him next year, and there is no dead cap yes. money issues. That's, the it, the it's, trade it's perfect. is brilliant. We got mm-hmm. three compensatory fifth round draft picks for the free agents we lost last year, so mm-hmm. it's costing us nothing of of our current draft capital. Nope. It was a it was a brilliant trade. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great trade, and and that's the thing you know when we talk about you know the, the Cowboys on offense have really. You know, and it started with Kellen Moore. Obviously, Kellen Moore is not there anymore, but Kellen Moore kind of implemented that get guys that can play multiple positions. It's why mm-hmm. Tony Pollard has worked so well. You know, wide yep. receiver, running back, you know, can do both. You know, Brandon you Cooks comes in. You could, right, you could Brandon Cooks comes in and is very similar to CeeDee Lamb. Because CeeDee Lamb, you know, he you know, obviously CeeDee Lamb is coming into his prime and Brandon Cooks is, you know, on his probably his way out. It's still a really good. Brandon number. Cooks is 29 no, no, no. years old. I, I agree. I don't think Brandon Cooks is on the other side yet. No. But Brandon Cooks obviously older and has been in the league. But Brandon Cooks yeah. has been consistent. 6,000-yard receiving you know, years, which is you know, it's pretty damn good. He's been on four different teams for that. It's like everywhere he goes, no matter what he's traded for, he's produced, no matter the yep. quarterback. And he's not played with some great quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. you know, besides probably Drew Brees, he's probably the best quarterback he's played with in, you know, in his career. Uh, you know, I, I guess Tom, Br- Tom Brady, the year he's, he was on uh, – uh, on on New England, you know, you have yep. to throw in there as well. And then Jared um, Goff in LA. He comes in, and 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 like I said, Ceedee Lamb is a guy that can play all three positions. You know, you put him in the slot outside. Brandon Cooks, 
is a speedster. You, you put him in the slot, he also can play outside. Like he is a he's a he's a undersized receiver that plays bigger than he is. Right. Do you know who I was getting flashes of? Like, hey, how this might work? Like, like, do you remember how much Deshaun Jackson used to kill us mm-hmm. all the time with Philly? Like, he would just. He'd, he'd do the go route. He would just open everything up. We would forget about him. We'd forget how fast he is. I think that's the, the Brandon Cook's role. I just hope right. it's more than just go deep every time. That's all. Yeah, and, and I think it will be. Brandon Cooks is not just go deep every time guy. Like, this is a thousand-year receiver that can, you know, that scores eight touchdowns a year, you know, good in the red zone, can, can you know, work underneath. Like, definitely not just a go deep guy. But what the Cowboys needed on this team, they have – CD lamb that can run all the routes, you know, and Michael Gallup is more of that go deep every yep. time. Like he is, yep. he's the, you know, the deep threat, um, you know, jump ball kind of player. The Cowboys needed something in between that. They needed a guy yep. like cooks to really run the routes in between. It's a great get, you know, it didn't cost them really anything when you look at it. I, I still would have rather had D hop, but you're right for the price. I don't think we would have gotten there. Yeah. And now D hop, you know, we don't have, you know, really credible rumors as of right now. Um, I'm, I anticipate it happening sooner than later. But right now, the D Hop situation, the two teams you're hearing the most of are the Chiefs the Patriots? and the Patriots. The Chiefs. And the, How do the Chiefs? And, and I'm, no, 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 no. Listen to me right now. I'm I'm okay. stating this right now. Yep. The Patriots are always in these conversations. Right. It happened with Odell Beckham before he went to the Browns all those years ago. It's yep. happened with so many guys in between. The Patriots don't do these type of trades. They don't. They did, they did you, for Randy Moss. Since Randy Moss, they have not done this this type of trade. This will this I'm telling you right now. I the more I keep hearing the Chiefs and the Chiefs and the Chiefs, the more I think it's going to happen. The more that I think DeAndre Hopkins ends if up DeAndre on the Hopkins Chiefs. ends up being a Chiefs, then the Jets should cancel the Aaron Rodgers deal <laughs> and save themselves sixty million dollars. I agree. It'll just be insane. Uh, but uh, the rich the, get the richer, man. Other, yeah. The only other news, uh, obviously, for the Cowboys that we didn't get to talk about last episode was Ezekiel Elliott and him getting uh, released and cut from the team. He has not, you know, signed anywhere. I think there was interest from the Bucks early on. Hasn't really gone anywhere. But you know, definitely, you know, a move that had to be made from a business standpoint. You couldn't possibly rationalize playing you know paying Ezekiel Elliott as much as he was going to get paid this year um but but it sucks to see a guy that has you know been the staple of the franchise and and you know been tied to Dak Prescott and and one of the you know guys that has just carried this team for so many years um just kind of get cut like that don't you yeah it sucks don't but it is a business don't you think and he was the highest paid second highest paid running back in the history of the NFL don't you think that there's still a possibility that nobody signs Zeke and he comes back at three million a year. I mean, we're talking to we're talking to players like Ronald Jones. Like, I mean, if I'm going to pay Ronald Jones a one point five two million, I'd rather pay Elliot three million and bring him back. I I would agree with you. I'd so be about bringing Zeke back on on that reduced contract. Here's the problem: is the rumors and the reports coming out were that. The Cowboys were on board for that. They were on board for a Ezekiel Elliott pay cut, and they were on board for if he takes that pay cut, that the release wouldn't happen, and we, he'd still be on the roster, and he'd go into the season as the number two guy, as a short yardage guy, and, and Tony Pollard would take the reins. But yep. that didn't happen. Obviously, I think Zeke or his agent still believes that there's a market out there where he can get you know, a better deal. Now, if they don't, 
I agree with you. There, there's a chance that possibly the, the window is right. still open and the Cowboys would welcome him back and he would be welcomed, yeah. you know, but, back to a deal. But I think it would have happened already. Okay. I don't, I don't agree with you. So here's, here's why I don't agree with you, right? The overall general top running backs, right? Miles Sanders, uh, Montgomery, they've all signed for around $6 million a year, right? Right. Jamal Williams, who scored 17 touchdowns last year, signed for $4 million. At some point, what does Zeke think he's going to get? Right? Zeke's not getting six million. He ain't getting nope. seven, eight million, right? He is going to be a three to maybe four million dollar a year guy. And as we get closer and closer to the end of free agency and closer to the draft, more and more teams are going to be like, I'll go get a fifth round draft pick, right? I'm not going to spend four million on Zeke. So I just think that that price tag gets smaller and smaller the closer we get to the draft or maybe the closer we get to training camp. And there may be a point in time where, hey, Zeke would rather play for Dallas and be with the guys and go for a championship than he's already made his money. I'm sitting here hopeful for that. Like, I would yeah. love that. You know, I, I'm just I would love, it's, I, it's still possible. I would love possible. for that to happen. Um, and, and, and I think it's, it's a possible scenario. I really do. My mm -hmm. only thing is, is, you know, I, like I'm agreeing with you that there's no way he gets paid more than a Jamal Williams or no. a, a Miles Sanders. Like there's there is no way that happens. So okay. why wouldn't he have just taken the pay cut? Because he has to see it to for himself. He's got to listen. And 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 the way that they 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 parted ways was basically under the premise that hey, we want to give Zeke the opportunity to see if he has a market out there. Like go out there and see if right. you have a free agent market. You're always willing to come back at the price that we're willing to bring you back at. But go and check it out. And if we're wrong, then you're going to sign somewhere else. If we're right, right. I think we, we we can make some sweet music. Right. The, the the only real interest I've seen is is this Bucks rumor out there. They, obviously, they released Leonard Fournette. They don't have Ronald Jones anymore, who the Cowboys are on, uh, you know, working out. <laughs> out there, backup running back. Um, yeah. You know, they, they really don't have much there. So. Possibly that's a, a a a nice you know spot he could yeah. fit, but again, I, I don't see them get. They don't have as much you know any cap space either. They're not going to get. No, and they and they've got Keyshawn Vaughn, and they've got uh, the other guy who who emerged this year. Who right. I'm having a complete senior moment over right now. Yeah, but uh, you know, the, I hope Zeke comes back. Is was what yeah. we're saying. I don't know that it happens. Um, what do you think about OJ Howard taking Darren Waller's spot over in Ra and Raiderland? Are you, you know, excited OJ, about that? OJ, oh yeah, OJ <laughs> Howard. Is done. Um, hey. This guy's. I feel like has been signed to be like this number one guy on two different teams, and then he ends up being like the number four guy by the time the season starts. So, so true. That, that'll probably be what happens. You know. Again. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's the NFL news uh, to start your week. I'm sure we'll have. You know, I anticipated DeAndre Hopkins trade or 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 slash and the Aaron Rodgers trade being done by the end of the week. By the time we get to our next episode, so hopefully we'll be able to talk about those. Um, but we got to get to the Sweet 16. Sweet we, are, it up. we got 16 teams left. I want to go down, preview the matchups, and then we'll talk about, obviously, the second-round matchups that each team had to get to that point, uh, and we'll pick some winners. Um, because you know, I, I had some of these matchups in my bracket. I'm not going to act like I had all of them. No. No one had all nope. of them. Uh, nope. You definitely didn't have all of them. Sorry, I had to. Wow. Just, wow. Say it. Sorry. Sorry. God. Sorry. I just, I I just felt you just, you just punched me in the gut. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. Uh, but let's start on Thursday. We have four matchups. Michigan State, Kansas State is our first one. What a great matchup this is. Kansas 
State, my wagon team, my team that I took the chance on to go to the final four in my brackets. They are Which I so laughed far. At you. I laughed are, at you. They are so far proving me right. And yes. I mean, what a game that was against Kentucky over the weekend. What can, you not, can you not tell everybody why you put them in the final four that you had a little inside information early in the Look, season? I will say this, you know, uh, yep. some insider information, you know, a good, I, I work with, you know, in D one basketball and I have mm-hmm. a certain friend who, who did play for K state last year. Um, and he, he, he knew of a certain Marcus Noel and, and I didn't know who that was at the start of the year. Yep. I was like, how good could a five, eight point guard be for Kansas state? Kansas state wasn't supposed to be good this year. Nope. Marcus Noel is a freaking dog. This dog. is a, this is what you call. A dog, yes. five eight, undersized point guard. You know, no one, you know, get, get, gave him any praise. I mean, John Calipari. I actually was disappointed for a coach that has, you know, in such stature that Calipari is. You know, after the game, I get he was obviously, you know, disappointed and and frustrated, sure. but referred to him as like the little guy. Like gave like that. That's how he referred to him. It was like, you know, he was like, you know I, name, I couldn't buddy. believe. You know I, his name well, Mister Calipari. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't on. believe. That he at the end of the game was like the little guy hit a three. I was like, come on, man. This guy just cooked you for 27 and nine. Some of his passes were unbelievable. unbelievable. And their, 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 their second best player, honestly, their best player throughout the season, Keontae Johnson, who's had this yep. incredible story coming from Florida, collapsing yep. on the court a year ago, now coming back to average, you know, almost 20 points a game this year. He was he's a really good player too, though. He, he's really good. But, but in this game was. Pretty, pretty well yeah. defended. Like the best defenders on Kentucky were containing him. This was a game that Marcus Noel had to take over, hit clutch threes. It's exactly what he did. Uh, an, an incredible win. They got out rebounded by 20. You know, Sheboy had, had his way on the boards, but it was too much. It, the, the three ball at the, in the second half, they didn't have a three in the first half. The three yeah. ball, the clutch shots in the, uh, the final couple minutes is what Kansas State had to do to get the win. They did it and they're moving on. So here's the greatest thing. This little guy had 44 points and 23 assists in two games over the weekend. Unreal. I mean, wow. And against against Kentucky, I mean, who I thought the the whole uh, Shwebwe and and Jacob Topin were going to kill them. And uh, Topin, Jacob Topin. I was was severely impressed with K-State. I think... You have a nice little call there. Uh, this team is rolling. You know, Desi Sills is a very good player, too. This is a really good team. I, I wish I had seen them more because you were spot on. This team definitely, definitely could go to the Final Four. Yeah, and and they play Michigan State team, who I will be the first to say didn't do, obviously didn't do my research on. This team is really solid. And you have to give credit you know, you, you give your credit to Tom Izzo and you say, oh, you don't bet against Tom Izzo in March. And, and obviously he's this great coach, but there's more to it than Tom Izzo. This team sure. has three stellar guards and they're yeah, three experienced guards. They're, they're three, you know, older players, you know, two seniors and a junior um, in Hogard. Two, yep. Three guys that have been to the tournament before. I mean, Joey Hauser, I feel like he's been in, in, in college basketball for at least Forever. six years. Yep. Um, and like you said, Tyson Walker is just an animal, um, you know, is just a, a, a really beast of a player. Um, and those three guys, you know, combined for, you know, almost 75% of the points. And then they carried the way. I, I think Marquette, it's really funny because we talked about the Big East. 
And we mm-hmm. talked about all these teams we thought was overrated. I thought Marquette was the one team that wasn't. And Marquette is actually the only team that didn't actually make the Sweet 16. You have Xavier <laughs> yeah. and Creighton, and they made it. Yeah. But Marquette was just too undersized um, and out, out-physicaled in this game. Um, I believe, yeah, they had, uh, you know, Michigan State out-rebounded them by seven. You know, it, it was a close game, but Michigan State, in the end, was just the more physical team. Um, there, this there, is going to set up a great, a great matchup. Yeah, the, you know, there is something to say about the. Mo- I mean, Tom Izzo is the most tenured, you know, uh, coach in basketball now that Bayheim is retired. Right, this guy is a Sweet Sixteen machine with T. Yeah. And the the one thing is, is when he's not like the most disappointment that they've had is when they've been a number one or number two seed. It's not when they're a seven seed and no one's looking at them and nobody's taking them for real. Mm-hmm. This team was well prepared for this weekend. They they, right. they played well defensively. They played well on the boards. And like you said, uh, the guards played excellent. Hogard and, and Walker were fantastic yesterday. So yeah, And going yeah, into this matchup, Michigan State is favored, um, which is a little surprising to me, the way that Kansas State pulled that out. Locks of the year. I am I betting like Kansas State. State. I oh like my Kansas God. State. I do too. I like Kansas State for a couple reasons. I think when you look at this, Michigan State's, you know, what what they've built on and what they've, you know, got to the Sweet 16 on is is toughness and their, you know, ability to get into the paint and score inside. You know, Kansas State just played a team just like that in Kentucky. They were out rebounded by 20. That will not yep. happen again. There's no Oscar nope. Shibway on Michigan State. So if right. that's not going to happen and they still won that game, I find it very difficult to see Michigan State. I think it's a close game. You know, I think Michigan State's defense is better than Kentucky. I think you know defensively, yep. perimeter Definitely. defense is better. You know, I, I don't anticipate Marcus Noel. You know, have you know, you know, having you know, open looks, but he didn't have open looks in the Kentucky game. He had to hit some really crazy, you know, deep shots. So I, I like Marcus Noel to keep the hot streak going and, and Kansas State to win. Some of the passes that this guy makes, the the no looks, the look the other way. Yep. I mean, they're, he he is he's really impressive. Yeah. He, um, he, just before we jump ahead, just because Kentucky's out now, can we now? Can I at least get you on the bandwagon that Oscar Shibway is going to be drafted in the first round? Can you uh, get Oscar Shibway will be yeah, late first round pick. Okay. Definitely should be a first round pick. He I mean, is just rebounding machine. His yeah. hands when it goes over the ball covers three quarters of the ball. Yeah, I mean Oscar Shibway, you know, I I think is kind of a like a comparable to like a Clint Capella, I, I think is a good, like a could, could okay. definitely see him being a starting center in the NBA as a game that Clint Capella. Yeah. You know, offensively there's, there's no shot, you know, he's not really an outside threat or even a no. mid range that, but, but he's good but around the rebounding the is elite. And I think elite. that is definitely something that gets him drafted for sure, yep. but he could find a uh, shot in the NBA. Yeah. So I'll take Kansas state there. Next we have I Arkansas. Uh, UConn, which is one of my favorite matchups of the Sweet 16. Um, Arkansas comes out of a, a a impressive but not surprising to either of us because we said that Arkansas by no means can beat Kansas. This was not a shock to me. Uh, this Arkansas team, I will say it right now, but I will say the same thing about UConn. So don't yeah. I, like don't think I don't think the same about UConn. Arkansas can win this whole thing. And I don't think that is crazy to say. This was once nope. upon a team once upon a time a team that was top 10 in the nation. They had two guards that were going top 10 in the NBA draft. You know, one of those is still true. Um, you know, and 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 now we're seeing Davis start to come back into his own and he's an absolute beast. Um th- th- this team is stacked. However, so, they go against a Yukon yeah. team now 
that has come off two pretty easy wins. Mm-hmm. A, probably the deepest team left in the tournament. They have like eight, nine guys that could come out and play, you know, really good ball. They now, th- these, these are two of the lower seeded teams left in the Sweet 16 who I truly believe whoever wins this game is going to go to the Final Four. Hmm. So h- here's my only thing, right? Arkansas, I mean, has had a much tougher road than UConn has had. Right, you know, beating St. Mary's, I have never seen a team that literally is just a bunch of Australian outside shooters. Like, you know, they have—I'm shocked they got as far as they—they—they they, they got. UConn was so much more physical. You know, Sonogo is a handful a for beast. anybody. A handful. He's got a, a really refined, you know, uh, low post game. But Jor- if Jordan Hawkins becomes the Jordan Hawkins of this last weekend, UConn is unstoppable. Like mm-hmm. that like, like we, we saw hope in the fact that Jordan Hawkins played horrific in the Big East tournament. Right? This team is solid. But I just love this Arkansas team. I, I love Eric Musselman. I think he's a phenomenal coach. Yeah, I great coach. You know it, Ricky Council the fourth is a great player. Devontae Davis, I would be if this guy is not making himself a Either lot, not maybe late lottery or late first round draft pick. I don't know what is. He is phenomenal player. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, and then you got Nick Smith, who literally can't get his head on straight, but is you know could be a great player if he did. This is a team that I just I really like. I just I I really like the way they're playing. I just think that this is a really tough matchup for them. It's, I don't. Who the hell is going to stop Sonogo down low? Who's going to stop him? Who's going to stop yeah. the the backup on UConn could start mm-hmm. on on seventy teams in the you know in, right? In That's what I'm saying. UConn is by far the deepest team left in the in, in this tournament. Arkansas had really great matchups yep. in, in in their two you know first two games. Illinois they matched up great with. They didn't have any you know in, inside presence they had to deal with. They they won that game. You know Kansas. I'm telling you, Arkansas's guards can match up against anyone. And Jalen Wilson yep. and Grady Dick, you know, they 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 outplayed them. They won. Mm-hmm. But now when I I see this game as, you know, Sonoga, Sonogo comes into this and, and and I don't know if Arkansas has an answer. And and they're going the only way Arkansas wins this game is if they shoot lights out. And Correct. they haven't necessarily done that. They yep. have they they've they've found ways to score. It hasn't necessarily been from the three or you know shooting yeah. from the outside. They would have to shoot incredible from the outside. As much as I want to take Arkansas, I do think Kentucky, uh, UConn does edge this one out. This is going to be a great game, though. Yeah, what's this, <coughs> what's the spread? Three and a half right now. UConn is favorite. Yeah, I would I would lay the three and a half. All right, so we'll take UConn there, but a good game. Watch out for Arkansas. Arkansas, baby. Yeah. Uh, let's go FAU Tennessee now. Our third game Thursday. <laughs> FAU made it somehow. I don't know. I, I both these teams surprising how they made it. No one, no one picked Tennessee to beat Duke. They beat Duke pretty easy. Um, and and nobody had FAU even beating Memphis in that first round. Obviously, they got past them. the The fairly Dickinson story, um, is is pretty you know insane there, and. And look at this now, you know, look at, look at this Tennessee team um, and look at this FAU team, two teams that no one had being here and, and, and they are here. All right. So two things that I want to talk about first with Tennessee, 
you know, we talked about it at the end of the SEC tournament, and we were like, this team has either lost our identity or we don't know what the heck this team is doing, but down the stretch, they played terrible. This team against Duke, who was on, it was the, I mean, they, they were like the best team in the country the last two months. They were so physically dominant. I mean, Plastic was throwing around Filipowski like he was a ragdoll, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, the, the lefty point guard, um, Vesuvo. Uh, yeah, Vescovi. Uh, Vescovi. Yeah. He couldn't miss, but th- that, that team played with such intensity. I yeah. felt like literally it was watching. We're going to say this probably three or four times on, on this broadcast. I would say this was men playing as boys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and look, and that, they're this, they're dangerous if they play like that. Every game in the Sweet Sixteen, I think, will be a single digit win by by whoever wins. They will hmm. be close games, and they will be close, except one. This is it. This one. Tennessee will win this game by more than ten points. Tennessee simply imposed their will against Duke. They yep. got in their heads. They were too physical, and and Duke wanted no part of of matching their physicality. Florida, Florida Atlantic has been a good story. I think yep. the Memphis win was incredibly impressive defensively. How they played the FDU yep. win, you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt. I mean, the FDU story was incredible. It was the fun FDU, to watch. The FDU point guard uh, was was in the, just one Roberts. of the most incredible. Yeah, yeah Roberts was yeah. just uh, unreal in that game. He almost yep. won it single handedly from them. But I mean, FAU, you know, took advantage of their, you know, the size advantage but and and ended, ended up winning the game. They're deep. Like FAU goes nine deep. Janal De- uh, John L. Davis played out of his mind. I mean, he couldn't be stopped. I mean, you, Roberts on one end couldn't be stopped. Davis on the other end basically won it down the stretch for them. I mean, he scored 29 right. points in that game. Do you know he's crazy stat? Did you see the stat at the end of the game? Mm. Right. John L. Davis is the first player in NCAA tournament history to score more than 25 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, and five steals. The first player ever. Unreal. Yeah. That's insane. And, and, yeah, and, and these and and the this FAU team is is had probably, you know, the just the craziest year. Just being FAU, I don't think they've ever made the tournament maybe once before. Thirty three wins. And yeah. getting that draw against Memphis, I'm telling you, nobody picked FAU to even nope. win that game. Now nope. they get to the sweet sixteen. Anything can happen. I do think Tennessee wins this easily. Tennessee's they they to overcome losing their best player, who I don't anticipate they'll have, you know, the rest of the tournament, no matter how yep. far they go. Um, they have upped the intensity that's worked so far. I think it'll work again. Um, yeah, I, and they'll I be agree. They're five and a half point favorites. I would lay the points for sure. Yeah. Our last game Thursday, Gonzaga versus UCLA. Great game um to end out that 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 uh that Thursday, uh the first day of the Sweet Sixteen there. Let's let's backtrack. Gonzaga, you missed it last night. I did. It's TCU in a game I that they trailed. Mm-hmm. They trailed the first half. Um, off to a slow start. Eventually, Drew Timmy just became Drew Timmy again. Just just yeah. became Drew Timmy. You know, just was too much to handle. I, I think Drew Timmy is such a smart player. He usually spends that first half figuring out you know what he can do to really affect the game. Second half, he was unstoppable. Um, and, and really that this Gonzaga team, I'm telling you a Gonzaga team that isn't the first seed for once in the last, however many years, they don't mm-hmm. have any pressure on them. Nobody talked about Gonzaga this year cause they weren't number one in the, you know, in the rankings. This team is for real. This team 
definitely has everything it's had in, in, in the past of a championship caliber team. And, and this year, I think, you know, having, you know, Julian Strother, who, you know, who can shoot from the outside and Bolton, who can shoot from the outside, there is no answer to Timmy. You, do, you double team him. He's a, he's an incredible passer to get it out to those guys to shoot threes. Um, and if you don't, he's simply too good of a post player um, against smaller bigs that, that he's going to dominate. So Gonzaga's had a really, really strong team. It's just that they run into UCLA, who I love and have been playing yeah. in, incredible over the last two games. I don't see them beating UCLA. I think I think this is just like an Ar- the Arkansas you know conversation. Arkansas is a great team. They're probably a top five team left in this tournament. They run into UConn. You know I don't see them beating UConn. Gonzaga, I don't see them beating UCLA. The way that Jaime Jaquez is playing, um, as 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 we're getting, you know, I think he's just warming up. I don't think they anticipate going out. You know, even in the Sweet Sixteen. So I'll take UCLA to continue rolling. This is going to be a tough, you know, a close game. They're only two and a half point favorites, but. Uh, but UCLA has just been playing way too. I'm gonna, long. I'm gonna have our first disagreement. Going our Gonzaga, disagree- I, I, and here's why. Okay, I think both of these teams are overrated. Number one, number two is there's no depth on either of these teams. Uh, this right? is six guys play the you know you know the entire game. Yeah, this is yeah this is five on five with one sub maybe two. You know yep. this is are your five better than my five? And with mm-hmm. with with Singleton. Twisting his ankle at the end, it looked. I thought he broke his ankle in two. I mean, luckily he was walking on it afterwards. But he's going to be a little banged up, which is one of your your starting guards. I yep. I don't think I don't think Waquez can can hang with Timmy. I really don't. Like I think he'll he'll be there, but I think Timmy's going to score over him without with ease. I like Strother mm-hmm. and 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 Rasier Bolton more than I like Bailey and Campbell. I I think this UCLA team has been a good story. I think they've played in a Lesser Pac-10 or Pac-12 this year. I, I just think Gonzaga, like you said, no pressure on them. Very well coached. Knows how to play in the tournament. I, I'm going to go with Gonzaga in the upset. The thing about this game that makes it interesting, we've seen a lot of low-scoring games this tournament. A lot of low, a lot, a lot of in the 50s, 50s you know, 60s, yep. struggling mm-hmm. from the field. These are two of the best offensive teams left in the tournament. Two of the, the teams that really haven't been affected by that. UCLA, you know, has, has shot 50% from the field in their first two games. Gonzaga's put up 80 in their first two games. Like, this is going to be a shootout. You know, these teams have players uh, that can shoot the ball, um, that can score at ease. You know, they don't have terrific defenses, but in big games like this, both teams are going to come with 110%. It's going to be a great it, This is going to be a great yeah. game. All right. Well, All right. Like, we finally disagree. Yeah, let's move to Friday now. We okay. got the two one seeds here, and then that fifteen seed Princeton, who I unbelievable that they made it, you know, this far. Um, but let's yeah. start with the one seeds here: Alabama, SDSU, Houston, Miami. Do a, does a one seed lose the last two remaining um, in the the Sweet Sixteen? Sweet Sixteen does a one seed lose? We'll start with Alabama, SDSU, SDSU. Is here. I said that they get here. I said they get here. I didn't say yep. they get past here. But I said yep. that the, with their draw, they got one of the easiest draws of the first two rounds. Um, Furman was no match for them, um, nope. and and now they they get Alabama, SDSU, incredibly defensively, and they have actually played above average offensively. That's why they've won their first two games pretty handily, easy. handily. But they still run into the team that I think will eventually win this whole thing, and yes. I think the way that Brandon Miller bounced back after not scoring in the opening round, 
and then gets 19. The way that Javon Quinterly, I said this before, Javon Quinterly was nowhere to be found really this whole year until as of late. He kind of yep. took that back seat, played like the yep. six man to begin the year. And now a guy that has done this in the tournament before is in, is one of the most, you know, is one of the most streakiest scorers in college basketball. A guy that can just get hot at the right time. Puts up, what, 26 last game. This team he was, is he was incredible to San Diego State. They probably aren't losing, if they do at all, until the Final Four they're going to get there. Listen, San Diego State, probably other than Tennessee, was the most impressive win for me just because how much they dominated that game. On a, from a defensive standpoint, you couldn't get a shot off him. It looked like Houston last year. Offensively, Matt Bradley and the rest of them, they looked great. They Again, all seniors, right? I mean, these are like 25-year-old, 24-year-old players playing against 18-year-olds. You right. know, I and mean, SDSU has been here three years out of the last four. Like These yeah. guys have been to the tournament. They've played tournament games before. But this Alabama team, I will continue to say, is probably one of the best teams I have seen in college basketball in some time. And if you're going to get Quinterly to play the way he played, and I'm telling you, Charles, Charles Bediaco is becoming one of my favorite players in, in NCA. He mm -hmm. is an absolute machine back there. He is his offensive game, his defensive game. You've got again, three trees back there. I love Clowney, you know, uh, and then, and then you got Brandon Miller, who we're not even talking about, who's still to me the best player in college basketball. Right. This team ain't losing. They ain't Look, losing. There, there, this looks like a game that Alabama might make it close. This is like a close game at half, and we have, like you said, yet to see Brandon Miller take the next step and put a game out of reach himself. He has the ability to yep. do that, and I think this is a game that he I, might. Do. I, Alabama's laying seven and a half. I have no problem laying it. Yeah, I agree. The other one seed, though, Houston, I think deserves a little more of a conversation against a yeah. Miami team that I am hopping on the wagon. Canes <laughs> are the real deal. This team is the real deal. I said it before that this team is probably, you know, the uh, a team that that has had woes in the regular season, but as as one of the best starting lineups in the tournament, four guys averaging over 13, Isaiah Wong is I'm telling you should be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. This guy is an elite scorer, is elite an incredible scorer. player. Um yep. and 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 I think the you know Miami goes into this game against Houston that has not impressed me through two games in the tournament. They've impressed me th throughout the season. I said that this team's incredible, you know, watching American basketball. This team is 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 really solid, but they didn't impress me against the 16th seed Northern Kentucky in the first round. I think Auburn Auburn was up 10 at half. I don't know mm -hmm. what happened to them. They they imploded, lost by 17, 17. I don't even know how Tra that happened. But Travion Mark just he took the game over in the second look, half. Look, Travion Mark, I said, you know, if Houston gets him as well as Saster be, being healthy and playing like he does, if Trayvon Mark comes into his own, they're gonna be hard to beat. It's yeah. exactly we, what we, happened. I mean, listen, we, we have game. seen We've seen at UCF games where they've played Houston, where Mark has become this guy out of nowhere to just score like 16 points in a row. Yeah, like he's, he's he, a, he, he's a guy player. when he, he's also like 25, 26 years old. Like like these yeah. guys, it's a, it, it's still blowing my mind how old some of these people are in the league. But you know, on Miami, right? I mean, they have little baby Schwebway in in Norchad Omier, right? I mean, that guy has 31 rebounds in the last two games. Right. I mean, offensively, they are getting on the boards. And if Isaiah Wong scores like Isaiah Wong has been scoring and you could get production 
you know, also from Jordan Miller. It, it, this is this is a very dangerous team. Houston's defense is not Houston's defense from last year or the year before. This is a team that, you know, blocks a lot of shots, but they don't get in your face as much as they used to. Like we watch games with Houston where you couldn't get a shot off. I mean, where the the, the defensive intensity was so incredible. Now it's like Jarris Walker and and uh, I forget the other guy's name. You know, they get like six blocks a game now because you can't go down right, low. Juan Roberts is there. Roberts, well. Roberts, yes, exactly. Yeah. But but this is Miami team is not going to take the ball, you know, and, and try to like you know force themselves in in amongst the trees. These guys are going to okay. shoot from the outside and lethal, lethal shooting from the outside. This is I I was talking amongst you know, friends and just previewing this matchup. Cause I think it's a really intriguing matchup that Houston is on upset alert. hundred percent. I'm picking the upset. I'm taking Miami to win this game. Um, give me the six and a half, whatever. I believe that, that Miami's offense and their, their ability, we saw against Indiana, that game was close. And then yep. they, they go on this run. They just go on this run where they don't miss for a good five minutes. And it's all of a sudden it's like a 16, 17 point game and and after that it's just so demoralizing the fact that you can't get a stop on Isaiah Wong and and right. you know and Pack and Omier and, and you can't stop these guys that I think you know it, it makes Miami so dangerous and we said Houston's defense isn't like what it was before they're incredibly right. tough they play yeah. you know that they they will they are one of the most physical teams and I think Miami sometimes will lack a little bit of physicality so that's the only part where I maybe worry, but I I will take a hot scoring team any day in this tournament um, over so, you know a, a a tough team. So I will take so, Miami with the upset. I'm gonna take Houston to win the game. Miami to cover the six points or six and a half points. I just yeah. think here's here's the one thing, you know, destiny, man. The, the final four is in Houston. Houston's gonna play in the final four. I, I just. There's just something to it. I, I just I can't imagine Houston not getting to their hometown. It's just I think it's a uh, tough game though. I think this game. is a tough game for tough game. for Houston there. All right, last two games we'll get to Creighton Princeton. Princeton, yes, is in the Sweet 16 against a Creighton team, which besides besides Michigan State yep. is the only other team that I really was just uncertain and didn't do my research on um, before this. this. Is a Dang good team um, in, in Creighton here. Creighton is led by Ryan Kalkbrenner, um, yep. who is just a, a beast inside. I mean, this guy, feed, feed the beast is what I say because you feed him inside. He's great on the pick and roll, and he just seems to through two rounds at 7-1 to be pretty unstoppable. I don't know that Princeton, you know, yes, they, they beat Arizona, which – I'm going to be honest. I've watched that game back. I don't know how they did that. Missouri was a much, <laughs> you know, better matchup for them that I actually thought they would win that game and they won it easily because, you know, they really only had to play defense on the perimeter. Missouri is a shooting team. Creighton gets the ball inside. Um, and, yep. and I believe that they will go to try their best to stop Kalkbrenner. Kalkbrenner is also a very good passer. Um, and guess what? I, uh, <laughs> if you watch Baylor try to play defense on him, he was like, yeah, fine. I'll, I'll dish it out to the four other shooters on the court, which is basically what Creighton is surrounded by Kalkbrenner. And they just shot the, the piss out of the three um, in that game. Baylor was really no match defensively. Princeton's no better defensively. 
um, than Baylor was. Um, I think Princeton could put up points in this game. You know, look at a, at a over under. Mm-hmm. I think it's a high scoring game. I don't think Princeton will beat this Creighton team, um, but points. I, I think points are, are going to go here, up on the board. Here's the, here's the one thing about Princeton, right? You watch them play, and then you look at the stats, and then like like a Blake Peters. This is a guy comes off the bench, scores five points a game, right? He goes off for 17, <laughs> hits you know a couple three-pointers. I think he hit five three-pointers, right? You, you get a guy like Langboard, right? He The guy averages like 10 points a game. He goes for 22. Like the, the, These guys are playing so much above their normal skill set or their normal averages, and they are starting to believe in the way that they play. Mm-hmm. I, Look, we, we talked about, you know, is it the mathematics? Is it the big brains? Is it what is it going on here with the Ivy League right. guys? But there's something about this team that's kind of wow, right? Like yeah. there's something here. Maybe if they played a little bit more competition, I think people would have known, you know, to be a fearful of Princeton. I I don't know, dude. I'm, I'm kind of leaning that way. I, I, I'm not that impressed with Creighton. Yes, you know, uh, the big guy is excellent. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, I mean, what's the what, what's the spread? I, I'm I'm taking the points no matter what. Nine and a half. Yeah. What do you got? Nine and a half. Give me. Yeah. Lay, I will take the nine and a half. I don't know if they'll win, but I'm Look, taking the nine and a half. Take, do it. Take them to win. Just just do it. Uh, Fine. I'm, I'm taking Prince to win. win. I'm taking Prince to win. All right. There you go. That's what I wanted to hear. Prince, I mean, it'd be unreal. Another 15 seed to the Elite Eight, like St. Peter's did last year. Um, Why not? Isn't it's destined to happen? One team's got to make a run, you know, one of yeah. the higher seeds there. So we'll see about that. Our last game is another great one: Xavier versus Texas. If you, you asked want? me, yeah. before if you asked me before the tournament, <laughs> if the, these two teams played, I'd take Texas all day long. I have Texas going to the Final Four. This yep. Texas team, it's not, it's no, you know. It's it's no knock on how they've played. Texas has played two really great games. Mm-hmm. This is still a top team um, in this tournament. I mean, Dylan Dessou had just this like unbelievable he performance. Miss. He's not even that you know much of an offensive player for Texas. He's not asked to do that much, and he just nope. turned it on and was was couldn't really miss. Uh, Marcus Carr back, Timmy Allen. You know they they have their full team and Rice off the bench. Yep. This is. But Jabari game. Rice couldn't hit the backside of a barn the other nah, day. He but right, the first and, and Marcus Carr, and Marcus, right, and Marcus Carr, you know, didn't have the greatest game either. This Texas team, somebody always steps up. There's so much talent on this team. Yeah, I mean, they, other, someone picks the other guy up. You know, when a hundred percent of the time, yeah. And you know, other than uh, what's his name, uh, Bowie, you know, on. Uh, uh, boom or whatever his name is, Suli Boom, mm-hmm. right? I, I I'm not that impressed with Xavier. I, I think this is a good team. I, I don't, but I don't think that they are going to be able to hang on that on the court with Texas. I really don't. I think Texas is going to turn it massively on. So, like I said, if you asked me before the tournament, I, I had this. A lot of people just had this three-two matchup in their bracket, and yep. you know Xavier gets there from they didn't have a hard you know route to get there, and and I think Texas wins easy. Um, I'm still taking Texas to win this game, but mm-hmm. by no means will this be easy. I am fully aware of, of Xavier and their shooting performance that they've had through, through two rounds of this tournament. 
this is a team that that just can score the ball, man. This is you know Nunge is a is a seven footer that can that can stretch the floor and shoot from the outside. Yeah. Kunkel at at five threes last game. Uh, Boom didn't shoot the three well last game, but in the first yeah. round he was one of the reasons they came back to beat Kennesaw um, in that oh. first round. Everyone can shoot the ball on this team. Dude, Jack Jack Nungy is a is a good player. Like this guy has been in in the college for a while. Like I, yeah, that that's a good player. But I still think that the length, the size, and the athleticism of Texas is going to be too much. I, I'm telling you right now, just to wrap this up, three locks, absolute locks. Take Tennessee, take UConn, take Texas, all and, and Kansas State. Four locks of the of next week of Thursday that's Friday games. Those are my locks. Look, I mean. I think Alabama's a lock. I think Tennessee's a lock. And as much as I'm I talking hate with the points, oh, with the points, look, with the points. to win, look, I made uh, taking the easy way out. Whatever, Alabama will yeah. win. Tennessee will Alabama's win. Going, yes. yep. And I really hate to say it because, man, I mean, I'm in some pools where I need UConn to lose, and I really like this Arkansas team. I think UConn is going to win. I think that's a lock as well. So, yeah, I think you're. I think you're on. on you had a great streak. But UCLA and UConn are going to screw your pool. Damn. Damn UConn, <laughs> man. I didn't believe in UConn, but I, I believe in UCLA. Um, and, and we'll see if they can win too. You know, but go, go Arkansas. Like, give me a chance you know, to win yeah. in, in these. In these Look, if UCLA, beats, if UCLA beats Gonzaga, they're going to the Final Four. Yeah. I don't think right. there's any doubt about it. Yeah, I, I agree as well. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see about that. We have games Thursday. Um, obviously... We will have an episode come out Friday, so we'll be able to review that day one of the Sweet 16. But when we, you know, come back from ne- for next week, we'll have a Final Four set. Let's um, go. For, yeah, for let's go. Let's see if we can have some trades to talk about next week. Um, yeah. If you had and, to pick and, Hopkins yeah. or Rogers by the time we record for Friday's episode. Neither. Neither gets done. I will say this. DeAndre Hopkins is a chief by Friday. No, I say neither get done by our next episode. All right. We'll see everyone on Friday.